Grapple fans, it's time yet again to go through the list of wrestling matches that one Dave Meltzer thought were five stars or higher on his rating system. It's Let Me Tell You Something. I'm your co-host, Lorcan Mullen, and with me is my co-host... Simon Cross. Simon, we're back in the world of All Japan Wrestling now after our trip over to back stateside to watch Ric Flair and Barry Windham tangle for one last time. On this list, obviously they tangled many times subsequent to that, but none of them reached the five-star ratings. But who we are about to cover for the first time is a figure that will be in 18 of these episodes. So we've got two newbies and two returning faces, and they're on opposite sides. And it's the final deciding match of the 1988 Real World Strongest World Tag Team um, Tour. Right. For All Japan Pro Wrestling on the 16th of December, 1988. That does explain all the highlight packages yes. before we actually got to start watching this. And it is between Genichiro Tenru coming back with his protege, Toshaki Kawada, against Dan the Lariat Hansen and making his also debut, and I think it's his only appearance on this list, Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Big dude, isn't he? Big, big dude. Um, so this is a, yeah, to give you an idea, Simon, the Real World Tag League is basically one of the two biggest tours annually for All Japan Pro Wrestling. They always treated their Tag League as very important. In New Japan, very often it's not a very important league, especially in recent years. Um, especially like the Junior Tag Leagues, they're sort of quite minor tours. Not minor tours, minor tours. <laughs> I was going to say, now that is wrestling everyone would love to see. <laughs> um, so the Real World Tag League is a very big deal. And this was also started an annual tradition of the Tag League also being for the vacated All Japan World Tag Team titles. The champions going in, Jumbo Saruta and Yoshiaki Yatsu, two guys that we previously covered, that have been on opposite sides. Um, there's obviously been some shifting of allegiances at this point. Um, Tenru and Saruta have both split up and formed their own teams and stables. And Genshiro Tenru has taken on a protege in Toshiaki Kawada. Um, Kawada is only about three or four years into his career at this point. He went to the same high school as Mitsuhara Masawa, which became a recurring part of their storyline that we'll then cover many times over. Um, so he is clearly the youngster in this match against the three bigger names and that's really the meat of this story is that it's yeah. can Kawada hang with Hansen and Gordy and if not can Tenru make up for the gap in experience yeah because um Kawada is targeted straight from jump street in this match but it's interesting that he's targeted but Tenru also takes a long sustained beating at one point as well so it's it's almost like a, a, a gradual natural attack I don't actually have a lot of notes for this match, other than it's really good. It's a really good match. I really like the way... Uh, one thing I did notice, uh, and this frustrates me a lot, and I can sort of see why... It's been a sort of a theme in the tag matches we've watched, but it's most prevalent here. 
the amount of times that the uh, non-legal guy will just walk into the ring, break up a count, and then not leave straight away. Yeah. Like the, ref- the five count, the lack of five count is so infuriating. There's a noticeable lack of respect to referees in Japan compared to like when Tommy Young, when they're cheating behind Tommy Young or or Bill Alfonso, they're making sure they aren't seeing it, and when yeah. they see it, they get involved. You know. You know, Tommy Young kicks Ric Flair's hands off the ropes where he breaks up the figure four leg lock. Yeah, he like was physically... This referee is oh. just kind of like, come on, lads. He's like, it's like a dinner lady that's just lost control of the situation. Supply come on, lads. Yeah. yeah, the supply teacher, when they come in, everyone goes, hey! <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, our contents of her handbag are being chucked about the shop. In all honesty, this ref's just a bit too old for this shit. <laughs> He's quite slow to get down. His counts are relatively slow compared to other ones. But yeah, I think at one point it's that again. There's a um, the suspension of disbelief is um, gone because I swear at one point he should have counted free. And I think there's a miscommunication between the guys. I can't remember who's being pinned at the time. Gordy's pinning, uh, trying to pin. Um. Tenru at the time. Um, and he just does one, two. And I swear he goes for free, but then the kick out happens afterwards, but he just never been, alludes to it. He might have had a bit of arthritis in the shoulder at that point. Yeah. Um, he's, but I will say, yet again, I love the clothes. Oh, yeah, the clothes. I One thing I noticed straight away is when Hansen's walking to the ring, he's got a skull <laughs> on his waistcoat. I'm like, ah! Maybe that's where Stone Cold got the idea well, from. Well, yeah, it's it's interesting to watch, actually. Uh, Stan Hansen, at this point, is the gaijin of All Japan, especially because Bruiser Brody left. And really, there was sort of this cycling of tag team partners for Bruiser, for Hansen a lot of this time. That there'd be the number two gaijin would come along and they would form a team. So he had it with Brody. Um, he would have it late. He has it now with Gordy. Uh, he would have it later on with Ted DiBiase would come back. They were a tag team before, and then they became a tag team again in 93 after DiBiase left WWF. Um, he had it with Vader. Um, he had it with quite a few. Uh, Johnny Ace as well for a while. Um, who who we see in the post-match at one point. I don't know if you noticed. Johnny Ace no. and Danny Spivey are there in the background in the post-match oh, celebrations. Um, mullet to hoy. Um, but it's... Um, it's interesting to watch. Uh, the the Gordy is really one of the ones that's like of Stan Hansen's dimensions, really. Although Terry Gordy at this point is only twenty eight years old. Jesus, he did but not he, look twenty eight. He stuck, but he will have had as much time in his life at that point wrestling as not wrestling because he debuted at the age of fourteen. And when the Freebirds were at their hottest in the early eighties against the Von Erichs. He was only about 21, 22. So was Michael Hayes. All the all the people in that feud were basically in their very early 20s. Um, whereas, you know, if they were in Japan, like Kawada, they would be getting their ass kicked all the time in the undercard. Yeah. <laughs> but in Texas... Well, whatever, was... whatever's hot is whatever's hot, yeah. isn't it? You've just got to go ride the wave, haven't you? So, yeah, it's interesting because Hanson, like, dresses up and his partner sort of dresses up like him as well. And they... They do the entrances together, and there's a big fight feel to this, which I think, for a start, I would rank this above a recent match that we had, which was the um, Maeda, Takada, Muto, Koshinaka match. 
Um, and this also felt like the most controlled of all the All Japan matches we've had so far. All Japan tag matches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I wonder if part of that's because Kawada just gets his ass kicked. So there's not that much chaos because it's just flat out Kawada gets beaten yeah, up on that's the, the outside. That's the key difference between uh, the mutual respect we saw um, in the Maeda, Maeda squad, the UWF versus uh, Muto and his partner. Koshinaka. <laughs> really annoys you when I don't say all the names. Well, I just um, like Japanese names anyway. I like saying them. Why do you think I let you pronounce them all? Because I'd be hopeless. This is like full-on Paul Merson situation we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> one of the so things I do groany. like... <laughs> the Belizean was the best one. He was out of his depth. Um, one of the things I do like about this is that there was a clear plot. There's, there's contempt. There's hatred. Like, they don't think there's the young guy can hang with them. And that's plainly obvious in the psychology they put across. Yeah, they feel unlike whenever he tries to fight them. Yeah, unlike the mutual respect sort of vibe we had going on. Like, just the friend, not friendly competition, but just the, the plain athletic competitive nature of the um, the New Japan match we recently covered. Yeah, and this is the deciding match as well. If either one of them won this match, they would win the league. And I think if it was a draw or a double countout, I think Saruta and Yatsu would have won. Because the way that the all, the, the all Japan leagues worked was that if you won, you got two points. If you lost, you got zero points. If you had a time limit draw, you had one point. But, and this was often the case in all Japan matches, especially if you see ones involving like Abdullah the Butcher... Um, if it results in a double DQ or a double countout, neither team gets any points. So uh, like both punished, essentially. It's a double loss. Yeah, yeah, which is like, but that also allows them to not win the league without losing that many matches. It was a, okay. it was a no wrestling jargon meant face saving measure that was very uh, used a lot. Coming to the end of that, Baba didn't eventually decide that it's just going to be clean wins and losses going forward. And no more of this chaos. Wishy-washy shit. <laughs> yeah, just, just keeping everyone strong. Um, because, like, Kawada, whilst he does lose, looks great. Like, he takes the fight to them, especially at the start of the match. And he will not back down. Um, it's It also helps that Kawada is slightly shorter than everyone else. So that also yeah. emphasises the youth aspect to him. Everyone else looks like they're at least six foot two, six foot four, maybe. And Kawada looks like he's about 5'11", 6 foot or so. But you're... No, but you're definitely right. There's one moment where um, Kawada's, like, scrappiness, tenacity is really highlighted. Um, he's got Gordy in the court in the, uh, in the turnbuckle. And he is firing off a series of kicks. And Hansen actually looks like, oh, God, I've got to do something here. <laughs> like, they were like, shot... Hansen seems like shot lot. He's actually hurting Gordy here. Because yeah. Gordy takes a long time to get up. Mm. After that series of kicks. Yeah, it's fairly even for the first five, six minutes, and Kwada holds his own. But then they do target... Well, they target Tenru, like I say. And the idea is, well, if Tenru's fucked, how's how's Kwada going to help? And Tenru fights back. But again, it's like when there is the tag, unlike in the Muto Koshinaka tag, it's not that hot. It's still, you know, it's it's just part of the course of the match as it goes on. But that's just the context of how they like the ebb and flow and back and forth. And then when the match really takes the the key turn is when Kawada kind of foolishly, after he gets knocked off the apron at one point, thinks, I'm going to take the fight to you. And he actually grabs Stan Hansen. And, you know, in the past we've seen, like, when Saruta did that to Chokushu and he just beat the shit out of him. 
Yeah. Um, you know, and the Funks and Brody and Hanson would do that to each other quite often. So that was kind of Kawada's thinking. I'm going to beat you up, and then maybe that will give Tenru a chance to finish Gordy. Instead, Hanson's like, how dare you? How yeah. bloody he dare you? He looks so pissed when um, he grabs it, he gets his boot grabbed. Yeah. He's just like, what are you doing? And then it proceeds to basically try and cripple him. Yeah, he goes right after the leg, and then when Gordy tags out, he goes after the leg. And so then it really does become essentially a handicap match. And oh, every yeah. time they... Kawada tries to get back up, he's, and I... he's quickly snuffed out. And I think that's when they highlight just the inexperience of Kawada costing the team, as, as you've alluded to there. Because um, they are... Tag team wrestling is on point for the two of them after that. Kawada is never left alone. Mm. There is never a semblance of a chance of him getting back to the corner and making the tag after that point. He is just... They are on him like flies on ship. Yeah. Also, one thing I did notice that was I quite liked was when Tembru occasionally had Stan Hansen in a pinning predicament... Terry Gordy didn't break the pin up so much as he just grabbed Kawada and um, Tenru by the head and picked him up and sort of stopped him pinning him. He's like, no, you don't. Yeah, the greatest moment with that is towards the end where Tenru powerbombs Hansen and then straight away, not even bothering to necessarily stomp and break up the pin, Gordy just grabs him into powerbomb position and in about four seconds, Tenru's been powerbombed as well. Tenru seems to bleed hard way at some point because they don't seem to put any emphasis on it, but you see some blood. Dead center in the yeah. face as well. Yeah. Um, I don't have that many more things to say. I like um, Tenru's top rope elbow where he climbs oh, up and goes kind backwards. of looks backwards. And yeah. I think, that, I think maybe it's because he didn't trust himself to work on the top rope for that long. So he was like, I'm just going to do this as quickly as I can. <laughs> didn't uh, didn't fancy the balance of trying to turn around when yeah. he got up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like at one point, yeah, I just liked, I just liked the match a lot. Um, and so, yeah, you say Tenru hits the power on Hansen. So the story sort of is maybe in a one-on-one setting, Tenru would have won, but just the numbers were too much. Numbers just stack up. And then when Hansen immediately motions towards he's going to do the lariat, then there's just this big build up. The crowd's like, oh, shit. (laughs) And then then Tenru tries to fight back. And so Hansen's like, how dare you? Again, Hansen's yeah. very affronted throughout this whole match. He seems very annoyed when people dare to, like, challenge him. Yeah, and then just clobbers Tenru with Larry and gets the pin on Tenru, which is a big deal. You know, because you would think it's usually the weaker member is the one that takes the pin, but they, they like I say, they just took Kawada out. Kawada was not getting back into that match. Yeah, why would had... they put Kawada back into the ring? Yeah. It wouldn't make tactical sense. Yeah, yeah. And that's the match. And it was a very, very good match. One thing we do have to speak about with Stan Hansen. Um, we'll see him again, but yeah. We'll see him again. But the way he hits that lariat. Well, I was saying to you on a WhatsApp or whatever it was. Basically, that's because he didn't know where he was hitting. So he's just yeah. going to hit everything as hard as he can. Do you, do you, do you think... I'll keep posing his what if questions. Um, do you reckon if he, his eyesight was fine throughout his career, would he have been as stiff? Yeah, probably. He's a big, <laughs> rough, he's a big rough Texan who likes beating people up and enjoys. Fighting. So the follow-up question would have been: Do you reckon he'd been more dangerous if he could see what he was doing? Potentially, who knows? Like I said, like another match that I would love to cover, like that we didn't get five stars, is the match that he has with Hulk Hogan at the big um, 
post just after WrestleMania six. So I remember seeing that on a VHS, and that was my first experience of uh, Stan Hansen, like in the early nineties. I was like, "Who's this guy? Why haven't I heard of him before? Why has he never been in the WWF if he's an American and or WCW?" From what I could tell, and how badly is he hurting Hulk Hogan? <laughs> yeah, he's absolutely roughing this dude up. It's an amazing match to watch. It's really interesting. I recommend again, like like I was recommending uh, in a previous episode like Kijimuto matches and all that sort of Barry Windham matches. That one is a great one to watch. Uh, so seek that out if you get the chance. Hulk Hogan and Stan Hansen at the Tokyo Dome. You'll see a different side to Hulk Hogan as well. Um, working the Japan. So Which was actually like... supposed to be Terry Gordy that he was wrestling in that match, but Terry Gordy didn't want to lose. So oh, okay. Stan Hansen so Hulk did. Oh, oh, no, sorry. I got confused. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's interesting, yeah, like, Terry Gordy's great talent, we won't see him anymore on this list, unfortunately, and he was such a great wrestler, he formed the Miracle Violence connection with Steve Williams, that was dominated, size of those dudes, dominated the All Japan scene, came to WCW, had a brief run when Bill Watts was in charge, won both the WCW and NWA World Tag Team titles in quick succession, had an amazing feud with the Steiner Brothers, um, he was part of the whole Triple Crown. Him and Stan Hansen traded the Triple Crown a couple of times. They had some big old matches between each other. It was basically them, Tenru and Saruta, that dominated the Triple Crown scene until Masawa, Kawada, and eventually Kabashi got involved in them as well. Just wailing on each other. <laughs> yeah, basically. But unfortunately, he then suffered a terrible like brain hemorrhage or something uh, in his early 30s that really put the kibosh on his career for the most part. He came back, but he was a shell of his former self. He lost to Cactus Jack in the first round of the King of the Deathmatch tournaments. Um, he had a brief run in the WWF as the Executioner, uh, feuding with The Undertaker. He was just one of those ones that was fed to The Undertaker in between. Just one of those people time. created, like Kamala and what have you. But he just never got back to what he was at this point, which was this big guy that was incredibly agile. A little bit of Brock Lesnar in a way to him in, in of its time. You know, a guy that was... Such a great young athlete and got into it so quickly and just had a natural aptitude to it, but could move along with being ridiculously mm. strong and powerful and had a great charisma to him. Um, like I said, main eventing shows in his in his teens and early 20s. And oh, he's one of the free birds. Like, yeah. what else do you really need to say but in terms of destroying power? Yeah, unfortunately then died of a heart attack at 40. Um, his son was briefly in the WWE for a few years as a Jesse of Jesse and Festus, you know, teamed with uh, Doc Gallows uh, in his earliest incarnation. I didn't realise that was Gordy's son. Yeah, yeah. Slam Master J, he then reinvented himself as for a while. Um, yeah, great. Terry Gordy was an amazing talent that maybe should have and could have had more matches on this list if it hadn't been for what happened. You know, he would have been in his, in his late 30s in the Attitude Era. I'm sure, like, they wanted Steve Austin to feud with Steve Williams... Maybe they could have got Terry Gordy involved as well. It would have well could have made sense. I mean, in your late thirties, I think that's when people are most confident, and that's when they've got like, their athleticism still. Mm. In terms of like, in terms, you know what I mean? Like, like people in their mid to late thirties, when they're re- in the wrestling world, mm. that's when I think they're that's at their peak. If they if they physically can still go. If they can physically, yeah. injuries, injuries permit, and then they've got yeah. and they've got the experience and the know all at that point. Yeah. Like you look at 
all the stuff AJ Styles has been able to do in his late thirties in New Japan and his early forties in the WWE. Yeah, but we'll get to him when we need to get to him. <laughs> and then you look at um, Shawn Michaels after he came back, mm. like how much better he was. Yeah. So yeah, just it's one of, again. A lot of these will be what ifs. Um, but yeah, that's just what I want to say. It's Terry Gordo. Would you give this match five stars? I won't give it five stars. Um, he is, uh, you're right. It is very good. It's a high four. It's a high four. Mm. Yeah, I'd I say. Yeah, I would probably put this along with Wyndham Flair two, Yokota Asuka. Um, maybe slightly, Kush- slightly actually, below I'd, those. I'd, I'd, yeah, slightly below those, but I prefer it to either the Hanson Brody Funks match because it has a definitive ending. And I would also put it above the Saruta Tenru Choshu Yatsu because I think Kawada was a better weak link than Yatsu was, and the chaos and they, there was more of a story being told yeah. consistently throughout. Yeah, you're right. They, they, there was a weak link element, but the weak but link it's more they, pronounced they, here. Yeah, the weak link is not the worst worker. The weak link arguably becomes the best worker out of all of them, as we will yeah. discuss. Yeah, it's just on. the smallest dude, but there's yeah. logic behind it. Yeah. And, there's, and, and it's also that he has the weak leg that they target. There's that great spot where he gets a fantastic German suplex on... Um, I think he has it on Hansen. No, I think he has it on Gordy. And Hansen just comes in and kicks his leg to yeah. stop to break up the pin. But Kawada had an amazing bridge. and look, we'll, 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 We have plenty of time to talk about Kawada. He's wearing his funky leopard print, like white leopard print tra- uh, um do you reckon that's another way of showing his youthful inexperience? It's like, oh, look how no flashy things he has to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think that's the case. But um, yeah, so yeah, as we'll go on, we'll, we'll talk about this further on. But actually, the next year, I believe that the Real World Tag League is won by Genichiro Tenru and Stan Hansen. Because Stan Hansen actually joins the uh, group. It's like one of the brief times where he teams up with a native wrestler as well. Um, so there's obviously some respect at the end of this match between the two teams. Well, it's obvious that they respect Tenru. That's why mm. they they try and isolate him mm. as well. Like it, it works both ways. They took advantage of the opportunity with um, with the knee, but you don't isolate a dude unless you're you're afraid of him. Mm. So that has been uh, another match that we've covered. Um, if people want to get in touch with us, Simon, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Um, so known because we were so close to free count so many times in this match, but they kept getting broken up. Yep, you can get in touch with me. It's Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U W L A for adventure. N for no, no time for adventure. Now, got to stay in. <laughs> you started hot, but burnt the out there. Um, put an at gmail at the end of that that's my email address twitter facebook letterbox instagram we have a show email address of lmtyspod at gmail.com but until then the next one that we're covering we've mentioned it in previous episodes we don't yet at the time of our recording of this have a copy of this available to us so if you're able to get us a copy of Jinichiro Tenru and Toshiaki Kawada teaming up with their fellow um, team member I think they were called Revolution. I think so. Uh, their Revolution teammate Samson Fuyuka to take on Jumbo Suruta, Yoshiaki Yatsu, and Masanobu Fushi. 
then please get in touch with us on one of those means or not, or via Facebook or what have you. Uh, if we don't get that in time, then this will have to be the sort of a mini soda where we might talk about something else. And then we're going on to a big old quadrilogy of maybe the greatest matches of all time, arguably. But we'll hold that teaser. Well, three of them are held in very high yes. regard. We'll hold that. We'll hold that teaser until when we have to say it. But until then, my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. Hearts